It's time to let you in on a little secret. Actually, lots of secrets. We're talking strategy and most importantly, return on your investment for your podcast. Welcome to Branded Podcast Secrets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Branded Podcast Secrets. I'm your host, Erin Greger, here with another special episode. We finally have gotten to talk, Dr. Bradley. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Glad we're finally able to get on the same page. Please call me Stephen. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, Stephen. Thank you for being here. So for those of you who don't know Stephen Bradley, he's an anesthesiologist. That's why I referred to the doctor at the beginning. He's a medical (laughs) ethicist. That's a word. Don't ask me to say that twice. But he's also, and the reason why he's here is the host of the Black Doctors podcast and also the host of a new podcast that just launched last month called Curbside Ethics. So Stephen, welcome. I I can't wait to jump into this topic with you. So you started as an anesthesiologist, is my assumption, just from what I gather of you, from what I've researched. Tell, Tell me a little bit about your practicing anesthesiology and what led you to go from there to, I should host a podcast. (laughs) <laughs> that's a, well, as everybody, every podcast guest says, that's a great question. I, you know, started in, in medical school. I was in medical school in DC, the Howard University College of Medicine, it's a historically black university. They produce almost 50% of the minority physicians in this country. There's three historically wow. black uh, universities that have medical schools, Howard, Meharry, and Morehouse. So together, these schools produce over half of the black physicians and dentists in the country. So from there, I went on to anesthesiology residency, which was four years at the University of Chicago. And while I was there, I swore into the United States Navy. It's kind of a family thing. My dad's a retired naval officer. My brother's in the Navy. So that brought me to Virginia, where I currently practice on active duty with the Navy. And I'm finishing up the fourth year of a four-year contract on active duty military. Your question was, uh, how did I get into podcasting? So just over a year ago, it was actually in the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And ironically, I know it was super busy for a lot of people. Being in the military, our patient population is mostly healthy, active duty people. And we actually weren't super terribly busy at my hospital and we'd canceled a lot of the elective surgeries. So I ironically wasn't working as much. So I did have a little bit of extra free time during the spring of 2020. In conjunction with that, I do have a background in music and music production is something I've always dabbled in and enjoy doing. And then the third component was kind of watching the social media craze just continue to ramp up. And we have the med influencers, I guess they're different from your typical influencers. These are like the medical students that are, you know, posting wearing these super fancy, luxurious name brand scrubs and making medical school look fun and exciting, making residency look like, you know, Grey's Anatomy. And looking at that, it definitely wasn't my experience in medical school and residency. And I think a lot of people would identify with the struggles and challenges that I went through being a first generation physician, being a black man in America, you know, just trying to progress through the education system and through healthcare. And I thought about the best way to help other people along this journey, along this path. I thought with social media, one, I'm not much of an influencer type personality. I hate taking pictures, 
but I thought a podcast would give that staying power where people can always refer back to old episodes and look up, you know, anything that they're, they happen to be interested in, whatever specialty. So I thought about it for a while, researched a lot of stuff, a lot of YouTube videos, checked out a couple podcasts. And in June of 2020, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, I dropped or I launched the Black Doctors podcast. It's a show that tells the stories of minority healthcare professionals with the goal of inspiring the next generation of healthcare professionals. And every week, there's an episode that has a physician or healthcare worker of color where they talk about the struggles they went through, what their current practice is like, and they give advice for other people that are interested in potentially following that career trajectory. That's so incredible. So could you talk about I love the mission you're on and just helping people because I've, I've listened to your podcast and there's combinations of you solo giving advice. And then like you mentioned, bringing on other doctors to talk about it, but you, you're a medical ethicist too. How does that intertwine with this? Like, I know you're on a mission to help more hospitals bring on diversity into their workforce. So how does that all intertwine? Yeah. So as I was finishing up residency at the university of Chicago, there is the McLean Center for Clinical Medical Ethics, and it is a one-year fellowship program that they offer. And I was able to participate in that. And for a year, we took consults with different ethical issues. I worked in the intensive care units a lot as a resident. As anesthesiology residents, we do between four and six months of work in intensive care units where you have incredibly complex patients and you have incredibly complex social situations. So some of the stuff that we've been hearing in the news now with the with the uh, they happen pretty frequently. And sitting back and looking at how you navigate those situations, I felt that there could be more that was done. I felt like it could be handled in a better way, and I wanted to learn how to do that. So that's why I pursued that fellowship in medical ethics. And it's just been a a passion of mine because I think you can really help families and patients that are at a very vulnerable spot in life and help make the right decision. So that's something that I've done as well, working on my hospital's ethics committees and working with residents to to teach ethics. So as I was looking back in June of 2020 about where to jump into the social media field, you know, thoughts of, okay, you need to have a specific kind of brand or market or, or what do I focus on? So I chose to focus first on just diversity in healthcare it was kind of a cop out to have a podcast, to be honest, because then I didn't have to talk every every day. I just had to interview people and they could tell their stories and I didn't have to tell mine. And after about six months of that in January, I added a second kind of episode every week to the Black Daughters podcast. I called it Ethically Sourced. I was I thought about that for too long, longer than I'd, I'd like to admit. But I thought, it was, oh, that's pretty punny. And so every Thursday, I would release an episode. I talked about things we're dealing with with COVID, with uh, vaccine passports, how to navigate the release of the new COVID vaccines. How do you properly consent patients for medical procedures? How do you deal with patients from different backgrounds? So that was the second component to the Black Doctors podcast. And in June of this year, I decided to just go ahead and, and make it a separate program. And I changed the name to Curbside Ethics. So in, in medicine, we do, uh, there's consultations where you'll have a second opinion, but we do a lot of kind of curbside consults where you just say, Hey, what do you think about this? So that's where the name comes from curbside ethics. And once a week I release 
a 15 or 20 minute episode where I talk about a situation with medical ethics or health equity. And the goal of that is to help clinicians make better decisions for their patients. Well, how, you know, I, I don't want to, I do want to say it's perfectly timed. Like, you know, what a great thing you're doing. Cause I mean, I can't imagine what hospitals are dealing with right now, you know, to vaccinate, not to vaccinate, who's vaccinated, how do you handle, I mean, just, I cannot begin to imagine. And so I don't, like I said, I don't want to say it's perfectly timed because obviously you've evolved into this, right? You started the podcast and saw this other need and talked, you know, talked about it. So what kind of feedback or what kind of interest are you getting? I mean, it just seems like it's such a perfectly timed thing. Like what kind of feedback are you getting from, and I'm assuming doctors are your primary listeners for for this? Yeah. My, my goal is to target high school students and college students of color because they're kind of at that phase in their, their education pathway where they're looking or maybe interested in healthcare professions. And thankfully, and that's kind of one of the things that that keeps me going. I, I'll admit when I started podcasting, I thought I was going to be the next Joe Rogan and, oh, this is great. We all do. Income. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I quickly realized that that was not the case. And then it more so developed into a labor of love and just a way to give back. And as I had some feedback every now and then, maybe I'm tired of editing because I do all my own editing. I did all the music production myself for the podcast. And I would get an email from a student that said, oh, this episode really helped me or this person, this is a field I want to go into. And now I know it's, it's right for me. So that feedback that I get, not frequently, you know, every two to four weeks, maybe really helps propel things forward. Yeah. You know, sometimes you feel like you're talking into a black hole and it's just like, it's, you know, you're helping people and you know, for every person that tells you you're helping them, you're probably helping 10 more, right? Like at least. Yeah. So, you know, it's there, but it can be, but it's just like just enough trickle to keep you going. So how are you managing the two on your own and being an anesthesiologist and doing all this other stuff? Do you have like an insane workflow you've got going on and, and how you're able to, to manage this? Cause it's a lot. A lot of people are like, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. Yeah, it, it is a lot. I know my, my fiance in the beginning was very concerned about the time that I was devoting to the podcast. Over time, I've been able to significantly cut down on the amount of editing that I need to do or the time it takes to edit. I also, over time, have just developed different ways to cut down on the scheduling. So I, I used to spend a lot of time scheduling, but using different apps that help automate that really cuts down on, on, on that burden. The other thing that, that I do, you know, for the ethical component or, or curbside ethics, those are just 20 minute episodes. So those are pretty quick to record and edit. The longer portion of that is actually reading articles because I do read a bit. And it's one of the good things is it helps me stay current in the field. So I'll read a couple of articles during the week to prepare for recording on a Wednesday that's pretty quick. And then I have several episodes of interviews for the Black Doctors podcast pre-recorded. And I, I am a chronic procrastinator, right? So medicine, they all always talk about time management and how you're supposed to have really good time management skills if you're a doctor. Mine are okay. I'm a chronic procrastinator. So usually my Sunday afternoons, I'll start around like six o'clock on one well, a bad day, six o'clock or seven o'clock. And it probably takes me an hour and a half to get everything edited 
uploaded, change the graphic for the episode, think of some quick captions to write and, and get it uploaded in time. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was just talking to a friend about this the other day about the procrastination. I don't know if you find this, but I spend <laughs> so much time thinking about what I need to do. And had I just stopped thinking about it and actually did it, I actually spend less time doing the task than I did whirling and worrying about it and thinking about how big it was when it really wasn't that big of a deal. So I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you. How about finding guests? Because you have a very, I mean, you have a very specific guest type of guest that you're bringing on. You, I'm assuming at first you had a, a list you were connected with, obviously people that you went to school with, all of that. As you're a year into this, are you finding that harder or do you have a pretty good process around that too, where you're getting people to, to recommend others and all of that? Yeah, it is. It's definitely gotten easier over the years. I started off with my circle going to Howard University College of Medicine. Again, it's a historically black university. So about 50% of the class was black or of uh, African-American descent. So I do reach out heavily to my network and it's a very small pool. Like we kind of all know each other, physicians of color in the healthcare space. We kind of know everybody. And I try to mix up the different specialties. That's probably the hardest thing is to keep track of, oh, I haven't talked to a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor. Let me get one of those on or a pathologist or a podiatrist. So that's probably the harder part is to find these different specialties. But I am generally able to stay two to three episodes ahead on the recording. And again, over the last month, I've been able to automate some of the interview scheduling, which is something that I, I should have done a long time ago. But that has definitely been helping to find guests. That's awesome. And how about marketing? Because you have a very, again, very specific, and it's not like you can say, hey, Google, find me kids of color who are thinking about being doctors. You know what I mean? Like, that's a very specific, uh, specific thing. So how are you getting that message out there? Are you connecting with other doctors who can use your podcast as a, like maybe a consult or do you, I mean, how you got to be super specific. And so I'm really curious how you're finding those, those teenagers who are out there, look, you know, looking for your inf the information you provide. Yeah. That, that's something that I've wondered about. And, and obviously since I spent so much time doing everything by myself, editing and, and recording, and the marketing, at some point, I'm obviously going to have to bring on more people to help get everything done. But this is also completely volunteer. So I'm not quite ready to, to spend money or spend more money to to do this. But in the meanwhile, you know, I have a Instagram page for the podcast. I've used a couple of different apps where I can make kind of audiograms and post those. The social circles that I have online. A lot of those folks support me and, and will repost the guests that I have will repost to their audience. And then I've really tried to target STEM programs. So science, technology, education, and math programs at pipelines for high school students and, and get those schools involved is something that I've been trying to reach out into. And then there's two organizations, the student national medical association, which is the largest group or organization for minority medical students. And they have a program, the uh, MAPS program, Minority Free Health Professions Society. And that's those programs are all kind of social clubs at colleges around the country. 
So I do try to target those groups because those are students of color interested in the health professions. So I'll tag them on social media. I do a little bit on Twitter, but again, I can't be everywhere doing everything. So if there was one weakness or struggle that I have, then and definitely it's the marketing aspect. Yeah, I would think, you know, I mean, even hitting the, the school thing would be huge if you could get teachers to share it out because it's and it doesn't even have to be, you know, I know you're obviously focused on the, you know, ethnicity side, but I mean, just anybody that your, your podcast is such a wealth of information and inspiration, you know, like women, et cetera, like so many people yeah. may not think that, well, you know, that's not for me, or I can't get into a school like that, or I'm not doctor material, but just that inspiration, I would think like would really help kids of all colors, you know what I mean? And, and being able to. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and just finding kind of where they are. So what you've mentioned some things that have changed, you've branched out into the second podcast. Has anything else changed since you started a year ago, like where you really had plan a vision a was what you were going to do with the podcast. And now maybe you're at a B version or somewhere in between. What else has evolved from since you started? Yeah, from the podcast format, you know, taking feedback from different podcasters or social media sites, I've tried to refine some of the interview questions that I asked, make sure there's a predictable flow for the interviews. I've learned a lot about audio editing, and hopefully the audio sounds better than when I first started. I, I do all the editing myself using um, a digital audio workstation, which I, I absolutely love doing. I think the biggest thing that, that hopefully has changed and I've noticed is starting to develop some brand authority, which I guess is a, a non-financial benefit, but some brand authority in regards to helping others in the pipeline. But the point with the curbside ethics podcast is something that I really want to involve medical ethics in my future career and, you know, working with SEO and other people, I, I take ethics consultations on my website. So it's something that I really want to have out there and continue to establish brand authority and people know that they can come to me. I've had a couple of speaking engagements with the Huffington Post and other medical schools. And that's something that's definitely continuing to evolve. I love it because I was just going to ask what your plan was. You mentioned you're doing this all on your own. It it is a side gig in the sense of, you know, you're an anesthesiologist first and foremost. It's not like this gets you clients that need an anesthesiologist, right? right? So with that plan of doing those consults, is that kind of the major driver from a return on your investment in doing this? Or is there anything else you see as potential? I, I heard sponsorship on your podcast too. I don't know if that's through your hosting site where you're getting those drop-ins or if you're actively seeking those out, but kind of talk about... You mentioned that a little bit on the medical consult or the ethics consults, but anywhere else too, where you, where you're going to try to drive ROI on this. So it's not just you doing it by yourself forever. Yeah. So the return on investment is definitely a big piece. Currently I switched hosting servers and they do have some automated ads. They're randomly generated. So I actually just had some ads on the ethics podcast. And the episode I dropped this week talked about vaccine mandates, super hot button issue. And probably one of the, the most proud I've been to release an episode because I really reached, researched all the, the issues. And I think I answered a lot of questions. So I went to listen to the 
the episode and the first ad that popped up was about gambling. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I'm running an ethics podcast. It just doesn't <laughs> yeah. jive with the brand. So, so for that, at least I'm, I'm probably, I'm taking these ads off and yeah. they only, you know, it's a very small return on the investment with regards to finances. You know, I've thought about building communities or there's opportunities to have subscriptions and something that I've gone back and forth with the problem with financial gain from students that are interested in medical school, it's already very cost prohibitive. You got students coming from different backgrounds. You have to spend money to apply to medical school. You have to work hard to get the grades. And that's, you know, usually some financial thing where either you're paying for tutors or paying for materials. So for me, it's a bit conflicted. And do I charge the listener? And, and I don't think I'm, I'm there. And I don't think that's the way I'm going to go into head. With regards to return on investment, being able to build your name, get your name out there for different niches in academic medicine. In, in a couple of years, I'll be out of the Navy. I'll practice as an anesthesiologist, but I want to devote a large portion of my career to writing and research for medical ethics. And depending on the facility I work at, they can look at my work with the podcast and how much brand authority I have. And I can actually go into a promotion in academic titles where I go from an assistant professor, which I am currently to an associate professor, I would then hopefully be able to work in consulting where at some point, you know, whether it's paid speaking engagements or paid consultations with corporations, that's probably where I'd like to go. I mean, right now it's something that I'm doing more for experience to, to learn more. Just having the podcast makes me read every yeah. week. I have to stay on top of these subjects and that's helping me gain that knowledge base that in a couple of years, I, I plan to get that return on investment. I love the play. Like, so I've said this a couple of times on this podcast, but part of why I do this podcast is because I want to write a book about branded podcasts. And so I'm like, well, I want to get the stories, right? I want to, so why not record it? And, and same thing for you. I have to do this studying. I have to do this reading. I mm -hmm. have to, so why not? I would talk about this. Pro you'd probably talk about this to your colleagues and your friends. So why not record it and get that yeah. out there? And I love the play and I, it's, it's not going to happen, you know, not to say it's not going to happen. I don't want to discourage you, but you know, it's a long game. Like, you know, and you're yeah. in this for the long game. And I absolutely love that you've got this, this side. And I, I know you're not on the ethics side doing interviews, but I know we had a client who was creating a, a fund for mental health companies. And so all he was doing was bringing on people in the mental health space. It wasn't him even talking about it. He had some side to it, but it was those experts that drove his expertise. Do you, does, you know, does that make sense? It was like, yeah, yeah. he didn't have to be the end all be all to this, but he used that to, as a brand to build. So I think what you're doing is absolutely genius. You understand that long game and, and you're, you're putting yourself in that position when people think of ethics in the medical field, your name's going to be top of mind because they're going to see you. Yes. They're going to see that podcast coming up. They're going to see people talking about it. And that's. That's what it's all about. So I, I think it's awesome. So anything well, that, that, that means oh, a lot, that means a lot coming from you. Thank you. Oh gosh, of course. No, I think it's, it's genius. I, a lot of people 
they go in it for the short term, right? Like you said, when they don't hit Joe Rogan numbers after episode three, they're like, no one, you know, this is worthless. It's not, but you know, there's a, I just posted it today. I just love the story, but this guy, he just started in 2013 podcasting, lost his job in 2017. I'll make this super short. But because of his podcast, he announced it to his listenership and said, Hey, I just lost my job. I think I'm going to start on my own. And he's never had to go get a job since. Like he has, he's got a thriving business now. And it was all because he was four years into a podcast that people, you know, he just kept going. So I think consistency is so key. So anyway, I, I went off too much on that one, but any other things that, you know, I love that you've, you've done this all on your own. You figured it all on your, you did have that music background, which helped, but any advice you have for that person who really wants to start the podcast, they're excited about it, but they're tripped up on, on something, you know, being someone who, who went in having no experience, what kind of advice would you offer them? Yeah. So for people like that, you know, people love saying, find your why or start with why it's a bit cliche. There's a book about it and it makes sense. Why are you doing this? What is your goal? Mm -hmm. As I've been podcasting, I've actually just started to read more and consume information. I, I have a couple of good physician friends, Dr. Jamie Rutland and Dr. Italo Brown. And these guys are are incredible because they specialize in, in COVID-19. We're in a pandemic. Dr. Rutland's a pulmonologist. All he did was consume papers. He would post on his Instagram where he's reading paper after paper after paper. He's been in practice for almost 10 years, but he's still reading and studying. Dr. Italo Brown, he's doing a lot with diversity, equity, and inclusion out in California. Again, he's reading, and from that wealth of information, they're able to to give back. But that is their their why. They know why they're doing it. So, for me, I've adopted some of those practices, and as I get fully invested, right, I'm, I'm consuming, consuming, consuming. My why is well. I found my why after reading books. That's how I was. That's the point I was trying to make. After after talking with Dr. Rutland and Dr. Brown, reading more. I started reading books on Audible, listening to books on Audible, and I read the book on story branding and actually developing your message. Donald so Miller. Yes. Love Donald Miller. the message for, for the Black Doctors podcast as well as for Curbside Ethics. And that was how I shaped my why. At first, I was flying blind, but now I have my why. And I just had to accomplish it. Like you mentioned, consistency mm-hmm. is that next component. And then um, the third thing for people that are are thinking about it on the fence, just jump right in. You have unlimited resources at your fingertips, whether it's websites, YouTube, all the resources you need to launch a podcast are out there. So just jump right in, expect your first couple episodes to be okay. They're probably not going to win any awards, (laughs) but do it, do it, do it, keep going. And you'll be able to look back in a couple months and realize that Oh man, I put out a dozen episodes and now I have 50 downloads or, you know, you'll be surprised at when the downloads start coming in throughout my medical training, as I was in school for 13 years, by the time I got to, to medical school, it was rough. You know, we're doing our surgical rotation and as medical students, we're doing 24 hour calls and those 24 hour calls end up stretching into 28 hour shifts before you go home. And then you got to come right back to the hospital. But I had we had a bunch of inside jokes between me and my fellow medical students, just kind of, we trauma bonded. And then one of the jokes was from that great 
Disney movie, Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. So when stuff was really bad, we look at each other or just mentally on the inside of my head, I'm saying, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. So that's what I would say to folks that are thinking about it or on the fence. Find your why. That story brand book by Donald Miller is a fantastic place to start and just keep swimming. Yeah. Agreed. I love that book. I actually had it on Audible first and had to buy a copy of it so I could like, yeah. So totally agree on that one. So if somebody wanted to find out more about you or listen to the Black Doctors podcast and or Curbside Ethics, is there a one size one size fits all place to send them to? Or are there a couple different places to send them to based on what they want to listen to? Yeah, if you are interested in medical ethics, my website, Stephen Bradley MD, I, I also built that. So, it, you know, it, it's in transition, depending on when you look at it. That I would never have guessed me... you built that. You did good. Oh, you did oh, really gosh. good. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, keep going. <laughs> Thank you so much. Stephen Bradley MD is my website. That's Stephen with a V. And I have links there to the Black Doctors podcast. And I have a page dedicated to curbside ethics. So I'm trying to host a lot of my ethics work there. And then if you're interested in diversity, equity, and inclusion in medicine, the Black Doctors podcast is its own website. There's episodes on the website. The episodes are also available for both podcasts on Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google, all the big name places that you listen to podcasts. Also, we're on Instagram, Stephen Bradley. MD on Instagram or the Black Daughters podcast. And then I'm on Twitter, Stephen Bradley MD. There's no Instagram or there's no Twitter for the Black Daughters podcast. I had to, I think five social media accounts is more than enough. It gets to be a lot, especially if you're trying to do your your own brand and then each podcast brand, like at some point you're like, just, it's going to go under one and be okay with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. And of course, all of that will be on our notes page. We'll make sure we get links to all your stuff over at AaronGregor.com. So thank you so much for joining me today. Like I said, I'm really glad we got to connect. I love what you're doing. I love your mission. Uh, thank you for, for sharing all your wealth of knowledge and and inspiration today too. I hope this ignites someone to start their own. Awesome. Aaron, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed speaking with you. Absolutely.